When I started this podcast, episode one, I called Origins. Today, I'm going to give you Origins part two. We're going to talk about my daddy. I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for him and our relationship or the lack thereof. This one was hard for me, guys. But I wanted to share my heart and my soul with you because there's power in our story. Welcome to the Reman Initiative. Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to spend them with me. I'm going to be doing a couple of one-offs for the next few weeks because I just wanted to be able to share my heart with you about a few things. And today, I'm going to talk to you about my dad. Let me share a passage of scripture with you out of the book of Psalms, 68, verses 4 and 5. It says this, Sing to God, sing praises to his name, exalt the one who rides on the clouds. For the Lord is his name. Rejoice before him. He is a father to the fatherless. My dad's name was Benny Earl Bailey, Jr., He was born in Pineville, Louisiana in April of 1943 to Velma and Benny Sr., and he was the youngest of three kids. When my dad was four years old, he contracted scarlet fever and was suffering with this on Christmas Day, 1947. My grandmother could barely stand to see her youngest son miss Christmas Day. So she got him up for a little bit so he could be a part of the morning. During this time, my dad's fever spiked dangerously high to the point that he had a seizure. That Christmas day, the fever burned scars on my dad's brain tissue, and for the remainder of his life, he suffered from epileptic seizures. As a boy, I watched my dad have many seizures. We called them blackouts. Dad would make this funny noise that always preceded the event, so I knew when he was going into one. And then he was gone. The lights were on, but nobody was home. And he would remain in this almost catatonic state for several minutes, sometimes extended periods of time. And then eventually, he would start to come up out of the depths of that darkness, and he was back. For him, everything that happened in those moments was a complete loss. He had no memory whatsoever of anything that happened while he was blacked out. It was just a space of his life that was gone. Growing up in Louisiana during the late 40s and the early 50s with such a condition was hard on a young man. Had to be. And his dad, my grandfather, was not a talkative or overly sensitive man, at least not the man that I knew. So I don't know how my grandfather shepherded my dad through this process or through this situation. I do know that my daddy had a deep devotion to both his dad and his mom, at least from my perspective, it was that way. Man, my daddy loved his mama. And to be honest with you, if you knew Velma Bailey, there was not much not to love about her. 
I'm telling you this because I did not have a good relationship with Earl Bailey Jr. I spent my whole life feeling like I was in the way and I was about as wanted as a boil on my dad's rear end. I can't explain it, but there was always this sense of resentment that I got from my dad. And it was a resentment that my younger sister and brother didn't notice or get. You see, I was the oldest of three, the firstborn. From a young age, I had a musical talent. My mom noticed it almost immediately, and she nurtured it every chance she got. But Dad, I don't think it would have been possible if he could have cared less about it. It was my mama's older brother, Chris, Chris Dixon, who nurtured that gift the most and inspired it even more in me. He was the guy that taught me the things that most dads teach young men. How to shoot a gun, ride a motorcycle, chop wood, swim, ski, camp. He was a man in my life and arguably the most influential man in my life for a very long time. Earl didn't want any part of this. Didn't want any part of those things at all, but he sure resented my uncle for being that man for me. And occasionally, he'd make that resentment known. Now, I didn't recognize it at the time, but there was something much deeper at play here. I found myself becoming a bit of an overachiever in life, trying desperately to win my dad's heart. And maybe here just one time that he loved me or that he was proud of me. To my memory, I can only remember one time that my dad said he loved me. And this was during the early stages of dementia. And often he had no clue who he was talking to. So I never really knew, if I'm being honest, whether he was talking to me or not. I mean, my dad got dementia in his late 50s. His mama died around the same time, and I can remember renting a car and driving him and my sister to Louisiana to bury my grandmother. And on the trip, my dad had no idea who I was. He asked my sister how much that she had to pay the chauffeur to drive them to the funeral. Now, we don't have time for me to really delve deep into my, my time with my dad. We don't have time to dig deep into the relationship. Except to say, as a boy growing up, he really wasn't the dad I was hoping for. And I guess I wasn't the son that he was hoping for either. At least that's the narrative that played in my heart. And it's the narrative that led to a thousand deep wounds and 10,000 failures for me as a man. Eventually, the pain turned into a deep-seated anger that ran just under the surface of my heart. And when it was, it was least expected, that anger would overflow like lava from a volcano and burn everything around me to the ground. I had far too many Pompeii moments in my early manhood. That is for sure. 
I started this episode talking about my dad's childhood and the condition that he struggled with his entire life because it wasn't until about six years ago that the Holy Spirit began to speak to me while I was sitting in my truck waiting to go into a lunch meeting. And that little voice said, your dad was just a man. He wasn't a superhero. He did not wear a cape. You need to forgive your dad and recognize that he was a broken, troubled man who did the only thing he knew how to do, and that was raise another broken, deeply troubled man. The revelation of that was powerful in my life. My daddy died in March of 2007. It was 10 years later, 2017, when the Holy Spirit finally got me to the point where I could see him as a man instead of as a failed father. I was ready to forgive him and to tell him that I loved him more than anything. Needless to say, that that was easier said than done, especially when your dad's no longer living. But Jesus walked me through this, and shortly after this, I was able to truly step into a full trust of my Father in Heaven. Not because I didn't trust Him before, but because I never knew what it felt like to be a much-loved son, and that was a real obstacle in my relationship with my Father in Heaven. After I offered my dad forgiveness, it was then that I felt the narrative of the unwanted son melting away. And Jesus walked me into the presence of the one who is a father to the fatherless and reminded me that I've always been loved by him and that I truly am a much-loved son of God most high. That is my true identity. I spent so many years of my life as a man walking in in an identity that was not that. I lived as an unwanted son. But the truth was, I was really a much-loved son. I lived like an orphan instead of like a son. Was it my unforgiveness of my dad that was an obstacle? Yes, I believe that was part of it. But it was also the fact that I never showed my dad any grace or ever once thought of him as another man. I never once had compassion on how my dad was raised or or how he suffered, what kind of suffering he faced day in and day out because of his blackouts. I never once thought about the shame or the fear or the guilt, or the regret that he must have lived under, or the narratives that were playing in his mind like they played in mine that were driving him down. When he was in his early 40s, he lost the only job he had ever had since college. I watched as my dad slipped into a dark, deep depression. It was so painful to watch. It was painful for us as a family because income took a major hit. And he was doing very little to address that need. Crappy didn't even believe he had the ability to address it. He just seemed to lose 
all desire to live it all. I was a sophomore in high school the year that happened, and the lack of funds was an obstacle for me to continue in my musical education. At least that was the story I was telling myself at the time. I wished I knew then what I know now. But at that point, all I could see was a man that had laid down and given up on himself and given up on us. I only saw what he failed to give me, and I was consumed in my own sense of entitlement. I was just a boy, but I was a selfish, self-centered boy who seemed to only think of himself. The resentment that my dad had towards me and my uncle wasn't so much focused at Chris or at me, but at himself and his inability to be the man that he knew he needed to be for me. I'm pretty sure he had allowed the narrative of his condition to convince him that he could never be the dad that I needed. So he bought into that, and his anger and resentment, which I did not understand at the time, became something that I mirrored and eventually embodied myself. If he had only known, if somebody would have only told him, all I really needed from him was for him to just say he loved me and he was proud of me. I didn't need him to be anything different than what he already was. There are millions of guys out there today that have stories that are similar to this. Many are far worse than my story. But the wounds that are left by dads are the deepest and most damaging that I've ever seen. Our society as a whole is in disarray because of the strategic and methodical attack on fathers. It's said that today is the most fatherless generation of men this world's ever seen. I don't know if that's true or not. But I know that the statistics say 63% of all teen suicides are from fatherless homes. 85% of kids with behavioral problems come from homes with no dad. Kids with disengaged fathers are 10 times more likely to fall prey to some sort of life-controlling addiction. Man, we do not have the time to talk about the effects of fatherlessness on our society. Not just absent dads, but disengaged dads. In most cases, the disengaged dad creates a deeper wound than the one that's just not even there. What we do have time to do is break the cycle. Jesus offers us a relationship with a father that is far better than any father we can imagine, and he has the power to heal every father wound that every man and woman currently has in their hearts. If you have a story like this, I want to encourage you to be brave and have the courage to come to Jesus and ask for this. Don't you continue to ignore these wounds any longer. They'll only propagate. They'll get passed down to your kids or the kids that are around you. It's never too late to be freed and healed from this and come into a true father-son relationship that can redefine your personal life and have a positive effect on the lives of those you touch. Bonus, once you're healed of this and you're living as a son of God, experiencing true fatherhood, He then begins to shift something inside of you where you can now be his image in the earth and he will begin to father others through you. (laughs) 
To my earthly dad, Earl Bailey Jr., I want to say, Dad, I love you, and I understand. I'm sorry for my part in the breakdown of our relationship. Good news, Daddy. Jesus has claimed to me for his own, and I'm learning how to be a son, how to be a good man, and how to be a father. I'm in good hands. God bless, guys. Have a fantastic week. You've been listening to the Reman Initiative. For more information, check out our website at www.experienceremand.com. There's a contact page there. Why don't you take some time to drop me a note and let me know what you thought of today's show. Or maybe you've got a question you'd like for me to dive into in a future episode. Let me know about that. Hey, if you like what we're doing here, why don't you give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes? It'll help us reach other men with what is intended to be a lifeline and a message of hope. Until next week, have a great day, guys. God bless.